The Right Hook Podcast. With the Mitsubishi Outlander Business, the two-seater commercial SUV with over 2,000 litres of cargo space, two-ton towing capacity and legendary four-wheel drive technology. Mitsubishi Motors.ie. It's Travel with Moncom again this Tuesday, but it's a very special kind of travel because next week begins our wonderful competition to send a lucky listener to Georgia's Seven Wonders of the World. So you'll have to tune in next week to find out how to get a chance to win. So we'll have listeners... Uh, seven different listeners all going to these wonderful wonders of the world that I've picked out. Moncolm, welcome to the programme. Thank you so much, George. You're going to look at two of them today. What mm-hmm. two? The two that I liked from the list were Taj Mahal and the Grand Canyon. Okay. Now, you must remember these are my selection, although I'm asking, you're going to do them, but I've mm. selected them. Let's start with the Taj Mahal, mm-hmm. shall we? Yeah. So A monument to a man's love for a woman. Exactly, exactly. So this is... Um, Shah, Shah Jahan, the Mughal emperor in the 17th century who was so brokenhearted that his wife gave birth shir- shortly after the birth of his 14th child that uh, he decided he was going to build a monument for her. And he took eight years to build the monument, in fact, 20 years to build the entire compound. And it has left, he has left like not only a phenomenal building, this white marble build, building of translucent marble that shimmers on the on the side of, of the river just outside of, of Agra outside on the side of the Yamuna River um, but has this phenomenally intricate decorative uh, inlaid stonework with a million different florid flower patterns and then this calligraphic sections from the Quran in beautiful calligraphic Persian written carved into the monument Now is is the missus entombed there? Yeah, that gets complicated. In fact, her tomb is just a little... <laughs> no, it, I mean, it's it's a mausoleum. So it's in honour of her beauty and of her... But beside it is her is her tomb. And actually beside it is Shah Jahan's tomb. He, after spending 20 years building this building, came to a very uh, sad end. So he was one of those few... Because what's interesting today is this is obviously the peak point of Muslim influence around the world. When they were at the zenith of not only their scientific, their um, sort of medical understanding, but also their artistic and their aesthetic understanding. Like the engineering of this building and the irrigation system underneath is phenomenal. But he was, so he was a wide-minded, ecumenical, enlightened Muslim, a Mughal emperor. Um, but of course then his son hated that, hated his, his profligacy and had him um, into, had him put into prison in Agra Fort just beside it. So he spent the last years of his life looking at his beautiful building. The but poor man, the son put him in there. Exactly, yeah. So, But it does give us a, a lovely, because you visit Agra, you have not only do you have the Taj Mahal, but you have Agra Fort built by Shah Jahan's grandfather, so like 100 years before, out of red brick. I don't know if anyone's been to Delhi, you've seen the red fort. These massive Mughal um, buildings, like 20 metre high walls, um, 2.5 metre thick walls and then palaces and citadels and pleasure baths wow. within the fort. So in every way, like the great poet that that, that, um, that Yeats was so fond of, uh, Rabin Rat Tagore, the great Indian poet, said it's a teardrop on the cheek of eternity in reference to, to the sadness that created it. But then Aldous, Aldous Huxley was a bit more dubious. He said, marble, I perceive, covers a multitude of sins. Because clearly, although this, although Shah Jahan was a, a sort of enlightened mogul, he was still a mogul emperor, a ruthless destroyer of Hindu culture, of Hindu people. And he enslaved basically 20,000 people, spent their lives, spent 20 years building this 
thing with, the, as I said, the finest jewels from Persia, from Afghanistan, from Iran, and even from um, craftspeople from, 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 from Europe I, too. I mean, it's quite interesting because, of course, the competition starts next week thanks to MasterCard, where listeners will be going to my selection of wonders of the world. Um, some of the great wonders of the world were, were accomplished by slave labour, mm, like yeah. the the pharaohs and, and, and all that, all that sort of stuff. A lot of it just required a massive amount of manpower working for nothing. Exactly, well. yeah. So the the other thing with, with wonders of the world is, as you say, they some of them have dark histories, but now the problem is there are so many tourists going to them. So over the next few weeks, I'd love to, like, to show ways to bypass the main tourist hordes because while all of your Selection are phenomenal. Yet the thing is, if you go in the height of, of, of the tourist season, you'll be you'll be swarmed by people. So one but, of the but uh, the height of the tourist season in India. Yeah. when's that? Well, so in fact, you see, now that Indians travel, now that there's a rising middle class, Indian middle class, it's all year because Indians get bus rides, you know, all year there. But you can still, most of the tour groups will go by the Western Gate. So if you enter by the Southern Gate, the building was designed to only be witnessed when you come upon it, to be an absolute surprise. So if you're in oh. Agra, it looks like just any old chaotic Indian sort of dirty town. But you go through the red uh, brick archway and it's on a it's on a plinth. The, the Taj Mahal is on a plinth, a marble plinth. So it's above. So the only thing behind it, and the only thing ever behind it, is the skyline. So you get this spectacle. But as I said, there's crowds all around you. So the great thing to do is, uh, sort of, Shah Jahan, the emperor, thought of this. He thought that possibly, you know, he built this whenever in the 17th century. The 300 years later, he'd have a problem. So across the other bank of the river, he built the Metta Bag, which is just a riverside park. Okay, and it's like it's it's a pretty enough park. It's sort of underused. But if you go there, you have very few tourists. You have a few lovers walking in the grounds. But you can go down then into the Yamuna River. And now most years, because of the green revolution in India farming, that river is so low that you can actually walk right down to the bottom. And there's just a few kids either playing in the muck or leading their their cattle to to drink. And you can stay there and actually get a much purer vision of view of the of the Taj. Now the thing we're looking at Taj Mahal, mm. one of George's wonders of the world, but you could well be visiting in our competition starting next week. But Mongo McGann, of course, with me, my travel expert. But but Mongo and it's interesting Indians who would now invariably be Hindus would go to a shrine from a Muslim despot. I know, isn't it interesting? And it just shows that these things were, the dualities that were set up now, in fact, have been going on. This sort of tit and tat, you know, between two tribes has been going on for so long. Both of them, because right after, as I said, um, Shah Jahan came his son, Aurangzeb, who was almost a Taliban-type leader. He went straight back to the Islamic, uh, to the to the Quran, and found the most restrictive ruling uh, sort of rules and tightened it down again. But, like, right outside the... T- Agra, about 40 miles outside, is an even more phenomenal site. It's 100 years older. It's the Fetipash Shikri, done by uh, his uh, Taj Mahan's Taj, sorry, um, by Shah Jahan's um, uh, grandfa- grandfather. And it is a pleasure palace. It's all about playing, sort of running between hide and seek between the palaces and watching feeding like green parrots and and uh, sort of playing in the bathing pools and the sort of live full-scale games of chess and games of parchesi uh, where people used to take the role of, of games. So it was all about playing. All that idea that you imagine in the in the wonderful sort of right. 1001 nights. Where is it on the map? Yeah, so if you're getting to Agra, so Agra is a city to the 
to the southeast of uh, Delhi. You're going to fly into Delhi, okay? You are going to always. You took the train. You took there was a wonderful the 7:15 Taj Express train from from Hazrat Nizmuddin Station, just beside Lodi Gardens in Delhi. Which, whenever a few months ago, when we were looking at Delhi, we were celebrating Lodi Gardens. Um, so it's about two and a half hours in that train. Now it all depends. If you first class, second class, you'll be with members of the uh, sort of Indian civil servants service or doctors or, or bureaucrats or retired majors. If you go down the cheap seats, you'll be with farm labourers and you'll have a much and more. And Moncom again. You see, exactly. You'll be in the cheap seats. Yeah, but what I, what I could offer you yeah. is either with those luxurious trains that we've mentioned before that, yeah. you know, cost but, like a grand and a half a day. Or there's now an expressway. India, as I said, in the last 10 years. Um, remember when we were looking at Delhi, we were saying this new metro system yeah. that makes it so clean. They've now built these expressways, which no one is using yet. So because there aren't many cars. Yeah, on their tolls. And so you can still go on the old... So when you... You remember the old idea that you'd have b- bullock carts on the road in front of you? Yeah. And you'd have sort of uh, old lopsided Bedford trucks and goats and, and people <laughs> drying their chilies on the side of the road. Unfortunately, all of that is absence. A very sterile expressway. But at that 102 miles, you'll get done, you know, with right. an hour and a half. Okay, well, um, it's uh, Tuesday travel on the right hook with Mastercard. Explore, discover, embrace your passions for dining, sports and travel with Priceless.com. Competition starts next week in which listeners will be going to Georgia's seven wonders of the world. We've looked at the first one, the Taj Mahal. What second one did I Do take? I have time? Yeah, I really want to celebrate. The second one is Grand, Ca- Grand Canyon. You have tons of totally stuff. Totally Always for you. Great. So sort of... I love the Grand Canyon. Yeah, a geological wonder in the heart of Arizona in this landscape of burnt umber, of copper of vivid crimson buttes you know rock yeah. formations of these saguara cactuses the cactuses two or three times or the size or even cacti for cacti. us Latin experts indeed the size of a um, of a human being looking at and then you have the Grand Canyon which is not the largest or the broadest or, the, or, or even the most impressive canyon in the world you know the Caperty Valley is longer and wider in Nepal the Kali Gandaki Gorge is deeper but there is no canyon which has it imposed itself on the national psyche as strongly as the Grand Canyon. It's so much more than a geographical location. The double trip here, of course, is to go to Las Vegas and yeah. then zip up to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> yeah, but don't even mention, I'm talking beauty, I'm talking <laughs> nature. You're already thinking where the nice food is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually, I'm thinking where the girls are going to be. <laughs> okay, I'm, yeah. you know, no. I, I read Dean Martin's autobiography and I've sort of thought about all the girls ever since. Okay, all so. right. But I mean, you have to fly somewhere. You can't fly to the Grand Canyon. No, so no, therefore, exactly. so a you good are place to fly is Las Vegas, it definitely is. Or yeah. Phoenix, presumably. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no shortage of places because the roads are all amazing. The problem is there's four to five million people going there, at least in the height of summer. Don't go there in the height of summer if you can avoid it. Like, it's Arizona, so winter is still fine. It's still warm. But I would only go to Arizona in the winter. I went to Phoenix, Arizona in the summer Mm -hmm. and I was frying eggs on the bonnet of the car. Like, I forgot. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, the car... Like, couldn't get into it. No, exactly. So it'll be 29 degrees Celsius in summer on the southern rim of the Grand Canyon, but then you, most people hike down it, and it's soon 38 degrees Celsius. You know, and you're then, going down. Yeah, and then you're having to think how to get up again. And so the signs showing how many people die every year. Like, so the ways of seeing the how Grand Canyon... die? Die. They just decide to kind of walk down. To, they see the Colorado River at the bottom. They say, oh, that'd be nice. Let's hike down. And they do hike down, because it's easy enough to hike down a place. You're then at 38 degrees. You're having to go up again. You're looking, you're looking at the Mount, a canyon side, which is one mile deep, you know, and they don't make it out again. They don't? They do not, no.
So the thing is, if you're going to hike down, stay in lodgings. There's only one lodgings, the Phantom Lodge at the bottom of the canyon. Uh, it's sort of bunk bed style bed. But have that booked. You might have to book Stay it. there and then come up the following day. Yeah, you might have to book okay. it a, day, a, a, day, a year in advance. So the ways of seeing the, the Grand Canyon. First, the south side. That's where sort of all the tourist infrastructure is. It's where that new skywalk is, is um, you know, this glass walkway that juts yeah. out 4,000 feet above the Colorado River. It's a, it's a sort of a, a glass walkway, 70 feet in length. That and all the main hotels and the tourist lodges are there. But the northern side, the northern side now is closed off in winter. From mid, maybe mid-October to mid-May, it's it's closed off to cars, but snow skiers and um, snowshoers and skiers can get in for amazing ways of viewing the of viewing the canyon. But in summertime, it's much better to go to the north, the northern rim. Now the problem is the rim at its max it's 18 miles long but mostly it's about 10 miles long. So you're standing on the southern rim you're looking over the northern rim you think oh I'd like to go across there. There's no bridges. You know so it's going to be a five hour trip. It's going to be a 280 mile. You just mile, wouldn't do it. 280 mile round. The, no. old, the way I did it of course was yeah. typical Georgie. I oh. just got a helicopter and so You I did a, not. I did. <laughs> I was going to mention that as my ultimate luxury piece. That's ridiculous. Well there is one no, great just, thing. That's all I did. I just got the helicopter looked out the window and said oh great hello off I <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Why you, you associate with me, yeah, you I probably, can never understand. I'd imagine you found the helicopter more thrilling than the Grand Canyon, even knowing, <laughs> knowing your side. But so the thing is, um, let's say when you're doing it, you can either as I say, drive up to the southern rim, take a picture and run off again. Yeah. Much better, though, to have a year in advance to book some mules. And mules? To, mules and go on a mule trip right down the side of the canyon wall. Sitting on the mule? Yeah. Uh, you can either there's on the from the south side there's two trails either the Bright Angel or the Caleb Trail but you're going to do it from the northern rim as well and you go down and then part of that mule trip as I say it books out a year in advance but part of the, is uh, part of the trip is overnight accommodation in the Phantom um, the ranch. Now the let me tell you something. I did a mule trip once on. in Haiti yeah. and I it, there's a, I forget the name of the place now but it's a it's a kind of an ancient wonder mm-hmm. of the world up on the mountain you know built by some fella. Anyway, you go up in the mule and come down. The poor mule I think. Drop dead at carrying me up and down, the yeah, poor fella. I, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't do. Mules <laughs> but I either. did the mule, but I wasn't impressed. No, no. I think better getting fit. Now you're fit enough to walk it. Like you know, if you did it over over a day or two. The right. other beautiful way to do it is don't even think about going up to the rim. Raft your way in along the oh, Colorado River. I've heard River. about this. Oh, like yeah. that. Again, that's going to book. You're going to need a permit from this because it's a national park. And again, you might need a you know a year in advance booking. It's a two- and you'd get a rafter, presumably, would you? Yeah, it's a 280 mile. It's a 280 mile trip. They're organised expeditions, so you'll have a guide with you. And Myrtle Street, I think. You see, well, the, the, well. You know, so, so that the sort of activities that happen in that movie don't happen, <laughs> you are looked after. <laughs> the the first one was it's sort of a, it's a 15 or 18 day trip. So really? Like, yeah, but they've now a shorter one, five, kind of six, to seven or eight day trip. And they stop and camp along the way or exactly, something? Exactly, exactly. And then the ultimate one for three grand is you do the eight day one, stopping and camping along the way, and then you're helicoptered out once you're once you finished, uh, yeah. rather than having to climb up the side. Um, but that that like that is a way of going right back to nature. In the Grand Canyon mm-hmm. with Moncom McGann, my whiz kid on matters travel. Because the reason we're talking earlier about Taj Mahal, today about the Grand Canyon, is next week the competition to send a lucky listener, uh, well, seven lucky listeners to the wonders of the world, but they're George's wonders of the world, selected by me. Uh, so you'll have to tune in next week to find out uh, how you're going to win. Um it's a lot easier to get to Arizona than it is to get to Agra and Taj Mahal, of course. 
what we found week on after week in the show is that the world is getting easier to get to, you know, in every single way because of Ireland becoming a hub. Um, you know, so in fact, as you say, like there's, there used to be one simple way. You'd tell someone to go to Orlando and then take a, a, a copy, you know, to take a flight. Now one can literally go anyway. Like you, there's now, you know, all these new flights opened up to America via Reykjavik, which would have seemed ridiculous. Like how early yeah, years why ago. do you want to hang around in Reykjavik for about for a few hours? Or apparently the, the, the cost of your baggage, the only way you can go on that trip through Reykjavik yeah. to America mm. cheaply is not take any bags. Because the bags are about 100 quid and the ticket is about 50 quid. You've spotted that, yeah. I mean, you've obviously looked into it. So, yeah. uh, I think that's a cool piece of marketing, undreamt uh, <laughs> of even by Michael O'Leary. <laughs> Um, um, the one thing I would like to recommend some places to stay in. So if it now depends if you're doing the southern um, rim or the northern rim. The southern rim, there was this. You see, there was this great um, architect who built these buildings in the 1930s. Her name was Mary Coulter. She has this wonderful watchtower on the eastern side of the rim that gives this like uh, an indigenous view. They used to have these watchtowers to look out when they were hunting and to see tribes are going. And one of her buildings, which is the Desert View Watchtower, but she has two hotels. She has that Phantom Lodge, as I said, the only hotel yeah. at the bottom. But she also has the only hotel in the National Park, um, which is uh, the Canyon Lodge. Uh, so, And it's going to cost for about 120 or 180 euros a night, but much better, go for one of the cabins. It's a motel type, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good. But go for the cabins that are connected to it. And if you're on the other side... Um, so that's it. So the Canyon Lodge is in the northern rim. If you're on the southern rim, El Tovar, this grand building, again built in 1905, is like it's another world. It's when people used to just to travel to one destination right. in their life. I know you, like, because you're a kind of purist mm-hmm. on manners travel, and unlike me, you don't kind of worry too much about getting to places. You just assume it'll all happen or that you can walk there. But even you can walk on water. So a good way of getting it there nowadays, mm-hmm. of course, is. Aer Lingus have now got the LA flight right. so you take the flight mm-hmm. to LA and it's a, by American standards then it's a short hop to get to the Grand Canyon yeah yeah. I mean that LH that LA flight has transformed everything what, the only it's the easiest it's the most comfortable way of going what, what I get is sometimes if I'm looking for the cheapest option then there's a way I can take five flights to somewhere and get there quicker and then they'll even serve me a free bottle of wine but as you said I've taken that LA flight and it makes getting to America ridiculously easy slightly yeah. more expensive well more expensive than ever else but ridiculously yeah easy. but I mean you're like if you're travelling to the west coast and you know, like the airlines go to San Francisco as well but you go mm. you're in LA mm. you know that opens up all those key areas for you. if you want to go to Las Vegas or you want to go to the Grand Canyon mm. or which I think is fantastic go further south from LA which becomes well I mean it's very Mexican anyway mm-hmm. but as you move closer to the border and you start going to places like San Diego and mm-hmm. places like this it's a really interesting experience yeah. I love that and if you're in San Diego make sure to cross over to Tijuana you'll get yeah. a totally different feel that's right that. yeah alright next week the competition begins to send listeners to Georgia's Wonders of the World so you'll have to tune in to find out how to get a chance to win. Over the coming weeks, Montgomery McGann talks about those very places. Today, it was the Taj Mahal and the Grand Canyon, either of which I'd be delighted to go. Thanks to MasterCard, sponsors of Tuesday Travel on the Right Hook. You can explore, discover, and embrace your passions for dining, for sports, for travel with Priceless.com. Monk on, of course, is appalled 
that I would have passions for dining and sports, but that's what makes us such a good combination. Mongon, thanks very much. Look Thank forward you. to talking to you next week.